Today's podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Practice Evolution Prime. Practice Evolution Prime was created to bridge the gap from school to success. You can be successful, you should be successful, and being successful takes work. You have to gain the skills and foundation to be the sought-after family chiropractor, and our goal is to create extraordinary family chiropractors. This program is not easy. It will challenge you. It will push you. We choose to only work with doctors and students who are teachable, principled, and willing to work hard to improve their skills, practice, and their lives. If you are interested in learning more about this program and to apply, or if you are a patient looking for a PEP Prime doctor, visit our website, pepprime.com. That's pepprime.com, or call the Practice Evolution Program at 801-281-1646. Hey everyone, and welcome to the KiddoCast for Chiropractic Families, the world's first and only podcast committed to normalizing complementary and alternative care, particularly chiropractic care for children by sharing the experiences of the doctors in the trenches. In our time together, we will talk with pillars in the alternative healthcare world to give you the tools you'll need to make positive change in the health of your children today. Simply put, we're here to change the trajectory of modern healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bronstein. I'm a pediatric and family chiropractor certified by the Academy Council of Chiropractic Pediatrics and the director of the Beacon Clinic of Chiropractic in beautiful Grover Beach, California. And guys, um, I wanted to give you guys a heads up. Um, after the last two amazing, amazing interviews that we did uh, in the second season of this, uh, the Kiddo Cast, uh, I decided to make a small trajectory change uh, of my own. Um, I felt uh, after uh, having spoken to uh, tons of students and, and new grads that I think it would be only apropos uh, to bring on a few of those folks to offer their unique perspective on caring for kids and to talk a little bit about the state of the art uh, and the only way that uh, they can um, from a, a new fresh perspective. So uh, today I'm pleased and honored to welcome uh, my new good friend, Dr. Caleb Scroggin. Uh, Dr. Caleb graduated from Life University College of Chiropractic in December of 2016 and is about six weeks into opening his pediatric and pregnancy-focused chiropractic office in Savannah, Georgia. He was the president of the Pediatrics Club and Chiropractic School and since has created an extracurricular pediatric training program for students and doctors who want to become more knowledgeable in caring for children. Dr. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, man. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you asked me to be on. I'm excited. Well, you know, I got to tell you, um, I... Uh, I first got wind of uh, what you were doing at Life uh, because of uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Steve Tullius, uh, who um, took me under his wing at a very young age and kind of taught me what needed to be taught uh, with regards to taking care of families and kids. Uh, I've been watching you from afar uh, with regards to the summit that you uh, put on. Um, and uh, I'm seeing some really interesting things, some really positive things about what you're doing. Um, why don't you uh, start out by kind of telling us your story, you know, how you got into taking care of kids and, uh, and lead us to where you are right now, okay? Yeah, absolutely. So I was an athlete all growing up, and that's how I was introduced to chiropractic. So as a child, around 10 years old, I started getting into chiropractic care, and it really helped in my performance and just not having as many aches and pains and a lot of physical stuff. And then I started chiropractic school. I wanted to actually work with professional football teams and things like that. I started doing work with a, uh, an office you know, outside of, right outside of Atlanta 
and we worked ended up working with not doing chiropractic because I was still in school, but doing some other things, complementary things. And we work with the Falcons, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Phillies, doing all sorts of different things. And so it was basically my end goal was to work with these types of athletes. And I was already doing it in undergrad, um, doing something else. It was at a chiropractic office. But I didn't see the – they definitely – it definitely helped them. But it didn't do the change. I didn't see the meaning as much as I would like in what I did. So I wasn't exactly thrilled. I'm working with the, the top athletes in the world, but it just wasn't – I didn't feel it, you know. And so then my roommate at the time, she actually started the pediatrics club on campus. So this is a group of students and doctors that all got together and worked out different case management and, and different, different things, uh, anatomy, physiology, technique, you name it. And so just out of support for her, I went just so there would be bodies in the room and to see these things. And there would be presenters that would do cases in their office. And cases like a kid coming in after being discharged from the hospital with failure to thrive. And so it would be a kid that's, you know, several weeks old or a month or two old and not eating, not gaining weight, uh, always crying, never slept. And then the, the medical profession wouldn't necessarily know what to do. So as a last resort, a parent would say, hey, you know what? Let's try chiropractic. I don't know why, but let's try it. And then that after you know an exam and uh, an analysis and a, a specific gentle adjustment even even on same day um, it they would turn pink they would start eating they would feel great they they would they would just come back mm. and it, it just inspired me and so so much more meaning than going and working on some some athlete who you know, to be honest, won't even show up sometimes because they're, you know, the multimillionaires that are the lead of their own team and they, they do whatever they want no matter what you know, versus, you know, you go in, there's this little baby that can't communicate and they're just, they're helpless almost and you help them and they just, their entire life changes. So we, we got to talk about this because there, there's a couple concepts that you brought up that I, I'm really glad that you brought up, right? Because all of our stories, the folks that I've spoken to who take care of kids, we all have the same background. Basically, we started in chiropractic because we had a chiropractic experience. Um, I was an athlete as well. I was a very high level athlete and chiropractic essentially saved me, saved not just my career, but my life. Um, and while I initially equated chiropractic care with making me feel better, um, what I started to realize was that there was a there was a gap somewhere in there. It was the gap in application, right? And so typically when somebody goes to a chiropractor, uh, for everybody who's listening, perhaps you might be a new listener to our podcast, chiropractic is pretty ubiquitous to uh, my back hurts, so I'm going to go in and get cracked and my back will feel better. But the question we always have is, well, why are there chiropractors out there taking care of kids? What's the benefit? Um, and ultimately, it comes down to exactly what Dr. Caleb just described, right? It's once you start to to really hang out with the masters, right? These are the chiropractors who've been doing this for a million years, right? The gurus, the folks who have the types of practices where they're taking care of pay, like full patients, right? Whole bodies, whole souls. 
um, you realize that there's something to this chiropractic thing that goes well beyond neck and back pain. I had the same experience as you did. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm publishing a failure to thrive case right now, which hopefully will be uh, coming out sometime in early 2018. Um, and it's, it's fairly boilerplate in my office because I tend to see more difficult cases, as most of the listeners know. Um, but the first time I ever, ever saw a child adjusted, I was still kind of locked into the sort of back pain mindset and I didn't really know what to expect, but this is a kiddo who was really terribly constipated. And I remember it just like it was yesterday, man. We, we started to see, you know, the nervous system clear out. This kid started pooping like a normal kid. We started to see the neurological programming come back online. And from that point on, I couldn't unlearn what I learned. Hmm. Right. I couldn't unlearn exactly. it. Right. As much as I would like to have that type of practice, that would probably be easier and probably more lucrative where all I do is just sit in my office all day long and accept third party pay and just take care of bad backs. And God bless these guys who do them because I don't want to. Um, but I, I feel like most pediatric chiropractors have been called to a higher purpose because we know that there's so much at stake. Now, when I see a kiddo who comes in, who's underweight, who can't latch, you know, I, I, I see I see that kiddo through the eyes of their parents, right? And I'm a father myself now, you know, I, I see how things change for them, but it's, it's one of those things that is just, you cannot unlearn it, right? And a lot of the time the parents will come in and they're fairly desperate and that stinks. It's because they've been let down by, you know, other folks, other providers. Chiropractors fill a gap there that um, I, I think is, is something that uh, is, is uncontrovertible. Um, you also brought up a, a concept um, with regards to, oh man, now I have to think about it because my brain is not computing uh, completely. Um, I, 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 guess the, I guess the real question is, okay, so you're, you're in chiropractic college, right? You're attracted to life, which, which is one of the, the, the universities in North America that is, is fairly vitalistic. Um, as an athlete, um, why, why were you attracted to life? Um, and I, I guess the question is, you know, like what, what did your sort of education do to help you reinforce that sort of philosophy of vitalism? Okay. So it's a funny story of why I went to life. Actually, I, I'm one of those type of people that I don't necessarily shop around a ton. Like the first car I ever, I ever saw, I bought the, you know, the first bank I went into, I made a checking account. You know, I, I, if I like it, I like it. I, I don't waste time a lot of times doing a lot of different things. But so for life, it was kind of that way. But I'm from Savannah, Georgia. Life is in Atlanta, right outside of Atlanta. But I was a martial artist growing up. I did Olympic Taekwondo and competed. And so Dr. Sid Williams um, hosted a... Uh, Olympic Taekwondo championship in the gym at life all through the nineties. And I went to them. So I went to every year I went to life university growing up as a child. And then when I decided I wanted to become a chiropractor, I was like, well, I'm just going to go there. Mm. Um, it just so happened. It was the largest chiropractic school in the world and had, had a right outside of a great metropolitan city that, had probably has probably the most options of any chiropractic student. Um, there's a lot of great schools, but some of them are out in the middle of nowhere. So you have the school that's great, but when you have such a big metropolitan hub right there, Atlanta, you have so much more opportunity to learn 
the school in the curriculum is fantastic, mm. but when you have a larger school size and a lot more people outside of it, a, lot, a ton more chiropractors located there, it's a lot better outside of campus to learn as well. Right. And there's a ton of chiropractors out there too. I remember the last time I was in Marietta, man, there's like what, 50 chiropractors within spitting distance of the campus. <laughs> There's um, one on the same road. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I have only been to life. Uh, I've been to life once. No, sorry, I've been there twice. I went there for uh, Dr. Carrick Super Sigmetal Symposium back in like 2008, I think, and I was there uh, as part of my trade association when I was still a student as well. Um, it, it is a monster campus, and there's some things doing uh, going on down there that are, are pretty incredible. I even had the opportunity to hear uh, Guy Reekman, who is now the chancellor of Life University, right? Uh, yes, sir. He spoke at uh, the CCA convention, the California Chiropractic Convention, uh, in June. And, uh, man, that guy has a vision, I'll tell you what. Um, okay, so so let's talk a little bit about taking care of children. Uh, because, again, you're, you're fairly fresh uh, out of school, and there's certainly a steep learning curve when it comes to caring for kids because they can't exactly tell you what's wrong. Um, why, don't you, why don't you run us through the gamut of, um, you know, what – where you started, you know, what you've learned along the way and what you think, uh, what you think the future holds for chiropractic care for kids, uh, let's say in the next five to 10 years. Okay. So, so one of the questions we were talking earlier, you said, um, that some people kind of get confused as to what we're trying to do when we see a child for chiropractic care. Mm -hmm. So, uh, a lot of people have heard that chiropractors say that they can treat basically anything you can name. A chiropractor has said they can treat it. So a lot of people get apprehensive because it sounds, you know, like they're just, you know, making it up. There's just, oh, I can treat that. I can take care of that. I can take care of this. I can take care of that. Right. Um, but what a lot of people don't understand is that is a, a little bit of a communication breakdown. Mm. So what what I liked a lot about life and all those extracurricular things is I learned to communicate it a little bit more simply. So because chiropractic is very simple. Now, if your child comes in with an ear infection, yes, we can help that. If your child comes in with constipation, yes, we can help that. But there's a, a main reason why that is. So your brain and central nervous system controls and coordinates everything in the body. All of your organs, all your skin, your digestive system, your your eustachian tubes in your ear, your everything. It controls and coordinates it. So what we do as chiropractors, we focus on how the neurology, how the nervous system is responding to different tests that we do and, and how that is objectively. And then we can match that to how your body is functioning. So when, when somebody comes into me and they have – digestion issues for a newborn and they're not they're not pooping i check them and i don't say oh okay yeah there's definitely some constipation there i check them and i say oh i also found some neurological interference right below his ear there where his brain stem is mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. once we take that pressure off the brain stem because the brain stem controls the digestive tract uh, it was allows it to work better and then they can poop better. Yeah. So it's not so much that we treat all of these conditions directly. We help the body function at a higher level. It's what's called a salutogenic model versus a pathogenic model. 
So we help support the health of the body versus trying to treat what's going wrong. Caleb, I'm smiling, man, because you're you're already so far ahead of the curve for most of the docs that I know have been in practice for a long time. And, you know, it's funny. I, you know I do a lot of teaching. I teach a lot of technique. Or maybe you don't know this about me, but we teach a lot of pediatric technique and analysis and whatnot. And most of the folks that I know who are young, students like you, new grads like you, can wrap their mind around this salutogenic model, right? But when I'm speaking to docs who've been entrenched for 15, 20 years, salutogenesis, which is the idea that, very simply put, like the body is kind of built to be healthy and it doesn't really need any extra help. It just kind of needs to be nurtured, right? Um, nobody, nobody older or who's been in practice for longer than like 15 or 20 years can really get that, which is crazy because it's a central tenet to chiropractic, right? I mean, Dee Palmer was really talking about this concept of ease and dis-ease as early as 1910, right? And even further back, I mean, I, I've been reading a lot of Simon Sensen's work and we were seeing some of the history come out with respect to chiropractic in the late 1800s. This concept is, it's, it's innate, to chiropractic, right? And so, you know, for all the parents who are listening, you know, and even the docs who are listening, this concept of, of salutogenesis is so married to chiropractic. It's so married to the underlying sort of uh, approaches that we take. Uh, chiropractors do not treat disease. They do not treat conditions. What we do is remove interference, right? And in the, in the sort of like modern neuroscientific uh, sort of lexicon, um, I like to use the term gain, right? We remove gain from the neuraxis. We remove fuzz. We remove white noise, right? We create clarity, right? And when the nervous system functions the way it's supposed to, your body works optimally, right? It doesn't seem like too far of a concept to, to bridge, but we're so brainwashed and so locked into this idea that our bodies are built to fall apart that when something goes wrong, it's almost like we accept it, right? Oh yeah, well, everybody else my age has high blood pressure, so it's just about my time, right? You know, it's funny, it's also apropos, Caleb. I was talking to my mother this weekend who has always been, uh, she's a curmudgeon, you know? Uh, <laughs> Mom, I'm, I'm, I hope you're listening to this this uh, podcast episode. I love her to death, but um, she she had a recent interaction with a Cairo that I sent her to uh, who has been trying to treat her back problem for almost two years. And uh, she hasn't been getting better. And it's not to say that chiropractic care is not working for her, but honestly, I have to look back on everything and say, like, I think the approach is probably pretty poor. Um, we're using metrics that are entirely based on dis-ease and pathology as opposed to salutogenesis, like you were talking about before. Um, he wants to do all this like cell detoxification and everything like that, as opposed to really going back to the basics and figuring out what's going on with the neuraxis. Um, and so I, I finally put my foot down and said, hey, I need to send you to somebody else. But she's still having a hard time not understanding why her back hurts when in reality, she should be asking the question, well, why is my body not functioning correctly? Use that term function. And I think that's super duper important when it comes to taking care of kids. Because honestly, if you got a kid that comes in, especially a newborn baby, and they got back pain, you got a lot of problems, right? And that's ironically the only thing that insurance companies kind of pay for, right? <laughs> if a kid comes in and they have anything other than back pain, it's experimental, right? Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to touch on that too. Please. Um, and I... I use the word salutogenic, but with patients, I, I try to use vernacular as little as possible. Sure. So I'll just say health promotion. Yeah. And which, which you can kind of, um, 
equate those in my mind. So for when you talk about insurance or, or disease treatment, the insurance model is based off of that disease treatment model. So now, because medicine is based off of the disease treatment model, and you know, people when they have issues and they go in and get treated by a medical doctor, they can they have a lot of times have phenomenal results. Sometimes they don't, but you know, a lot of times they have phenomenal results. But that's the that is how the insurance reimbursement model goes. And so one thing that as a pediatric chiropractor, we we don't follow that disease treatment model. We do, we follow that salutogenic model, that that health promotion model. And so the insurance companies don't see that as something that is reimbursable a lot of times. Now, some people can code for this and that. Me personally, I, I do straight cash. Mm-hmm. I, I No insurance whatsoever. And that's because it's more of a hassle to working with them. And so since the parents are listening to this, I really want you to understand that just because somebody's not in network or reimbursed by insurance, that actually to me means a good thing because that means that they get paid for what they do. And so they do it well. Yeah. You Uh, know, and I, I agree with that too. I, I gotta say that I, um, you know, I bought a practice, you know, from, from a, a, a doctor that you and I both know and respect. Um, there was, a, there was some insurance involved at that point. Um, but I made the real quick 180 out of that within about 18 months and got completely out. Um, I don't touch Medicare. Unfortunately, I, uh, I refer all of my Medicare patients out of my office. So there's no conflict there. I send them to folks that I trust who can bill Medicare, but especially right now, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up, Caleb right now, in North America, we got a major, major problem when it comes to managed care. Um, and uh, while I wasn't expecting to, to discuss this, I think it's really important for parents to understand because right now, even I'm having a major problem, right? Because I, I bought insurance specifically so that I wouldn't have to pay the penalty um, and uh, I don't use it ever. My primary care doctor, my portal of entry doctor is my chiropractor. Um, I, I am blessed enough to be able to pay cash when I need to, uh, to see the folks that I need to see. Um, but with managed care going the way it is, uh, and even in my own investigation of trying to get insurance for my family, um, we're really starting to realize that in a lot of ways, Western care, allopathic care is kind of failing us in the sense that it doesn't promote health. Right. It's all about fixing problems. Right. And to be fair, again, like I got a shoulder issue that I've had since I was a kid. It was one of the things that I initially sought out chiropractic care for with the type of volume I'm seeing in my practice. I have to tell you, like I'm probably about 10 years out of surgery or less. Most of my uh, listeners know that that's the case with me. And, uh, you know, God bless him. I got a I got an ortho that I know I'm going to end up being able to see. Hopefully I'll have some insurance coverage, be able to care for a pre-existing condition. But that that itself is in the allopathic model, right? In chiropractic, we call that a limitation of matter. And it's as a result of, in the traditional philosophic sense, destructive forces uh, exceeding the uh, grasp of innate, which is a, a constructive component, right? And we're going into the ether when it comes to chiropractic philosophy. I could talk to you about this for hours outside the podcast. <laughs> but um, but parents 
really need to understand that when it comes to bringing your child to a chiropractor, essentially what you're doing is you're investing in their longevity. You're investing in their health promotion, which is something that is so foreign to the concept of American, North American healthcare, um, that there isn't even really an appropriate terminology uh, to uh, to put that into, into a managed care algorithm, right? Now we do have codes, we have CPT codes, we have subluxation codes, but they're not exactly congruent, right? No, and that's one of the reasons why I don't use them. Right. Um, but that can be another topic of discussion. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think it's important to understand too that you know, as chiropractors, we are we are doctors, and we do have a duty to diagnose, which means that we we do have the training to be able to look at the entire human body in both an allopathic and a vitalistic model. Um, you know, I'm I'm as principled as the night is dark, Caleb. Um, I'd, I'd love for you to come out and hang out with us and see the way my practice runs, but I still identify things that potentially need to be co-managed by a pediatrician from time to time. The nature of the severity of, of things that we see in my practice, I like having peds that understand what I do. I like having obstetricians that understand what I do. I like working in a team because ain't nobody going to be able to do what I do right? Uh, working exactly. in that team-based approach is great. Um, but, uh, but chiropractic care, again, is, it's, it's one of those things that it's a foreign concept for most people. So they assume when they walk through the door, that a chiropractor is going to do a bunch of cracking. They're going to do a bunch of sort of medical diagnosis in the sense that, you know, if there's a back problem, you crack it back into place and then you come back when your back starts hurting again. In reality, I think what we're trying to tell everybody is that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I will tell you too, that one of the things that I'm looking for philosophically, and this is something that is, um, uh, it's a bridge too far for, for some of the docs that I teach is I, I would like to see vertebral subluxation corrected in my office in the sense that the goal is not to adjust my patients in perpetuity. The goal is to see what they look like when they have a clear nervous system, right? I, I like to see my patients come through the door and not need to be adjusted, right? Isn't that the point of a pseudonogenic model, right? Exactly. Um, I'd love for you to talk about that because I, I think that's something that's still kind of lost on most docs who take care of kids. And I, I'm interested to hear your perspective as a new grad. So uh, I could talk about a lot of different things in this, but in short, so what you need or what a chiropractor needs in order to adjust someone, could you do first off, you as a human being do not want to need to get adjusted. You want to be clear. You don't want to have that interference. Right. And I think we need to we need to put an emphasis on this real quick, Caleb. I'm glad you brought this up. It is not it should not be the goal when you go into a chiropractor's office to need to be adjusted. An adjustment is a tool where the ultimate outcome is a clear nervous system, right? The best case scenario yes. is you walk in the office, you hop on the table, the chiropractor says, you're good, peace out. I'll see you at your next appointment. The longer you can do that, the more efficiently your nervous system is running, yes? Yes, good. absolutely. Continue. And so that is the goal. You don't want to have that, you don't want to need the adjustment every time you come in. The goal is you come in and you, let's say most people who haven't been under care um, they do have that interference, a lot of them. But as a doctor who is taking care of them, they should be able to remove this this interference, this subluxation is what we call it. But um, now for children, you need objective measures. You need uh, you need a reason to adjust. You need to a lot of times, and you know, 
going uh, through motion, palpation, things like that, uh, has its place and and it works with a lot of people. For me, I like to use a tools that help, like neurological tests, so <laughs> so that it's reproducible, so that I will find the same thing as the next guy when we use the same tools. Um, and we'll adjust and then we can retest them after we adjust and, and know that that interference has been removed. Dude, this, this is so, so, so important. And again, like you and I have never hung out in person together and I, this is such a rare, a rare concept to discuss, but objectivity is so important. It's so important. This is why you and I have the training. This is why a lot of our colleagues that we hang out with have this training because the ultimate goal, again, like we talked about before, is to remove gain from the inner axis, to remove interference, to do whatever. So we have to have repeatable, reliable, objective outcome measures to determine that what we're doing is actually working, right? Because a lot of the time, like perfect example, going back to what I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, right? If a kiddo comes in and they're constipated, okay, I adjust them, they fill a diaper on the table. Are we done? And most of the time with the docs that I've, that I worked with in the past and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I, you know what, honestly, I'm going to call them out. If you're adjusting a kiddo and you're a chiropractor and they poop on the table and then you don't ever see them again, or at least you don't see them until they're constipated again, you are absolutely 100% missing the mark because what we're trying to do is not treat that constipation. It's, we want to make sure the problem that's causing the constipation is gone for good. So I imagine that my practice is fairly similar to yours, right? I use uh, thermography. Um, I use EMG yes. as necessary. Um, I use some heart rate variability if I can. Um, I hung out with Richard Barwell about uh, four weeks ago, and he's doing EEG studies on kids right now, which is fascinating. He's seeing brainwave changes in the kids after adjustments. Um, you know, I, I do faucet testing with my kids. I do primitive reflex testing. I check both upper motor and, and lower motor neuron uh, function with my kids. I want to see that those things are actually changing because that's the ultimate goal. And so ultimately, you know, when you're picking a chiropractor for your, your children, guys, like these are the things that you got to be looking out for, right? Um, Caleb was also talking about how, you know, the goal is for your children or yourselves to be clear, right? Not need an adjustment when you walk into the doctor's office. I'm going to tell you, sometimes it doesn't happen early. Sometimes the kids that I take care of, they're going to need a lot of intensity, specificity, and repetition in order to get that what we call neuroplasticity to undo the habits. Um, I've had some kids in my office that have needed to be checked three or four times a day for a while until we can get that change to happen. And these kids are very sick. There's a lot of birth trauma involved, but that's what it takes for them to not need me in perpetuity, right? Would you, would you say that that's uh, fairly congruent with what you kind of see in your, your young practice, Doc? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I believe I do something similar to you, um, especially in kids, but, uh, technique wise and how we apply what we do. But, um, yeah, you, kids heal a lot faster than adults, but some of them, especially in this day and age really need help. They, they need there's so much going on that wasn't going on even five years ago. Mm. Uh, meaning, you know, social media and pollution and stress and the news and your parents being stressed and their parents being stressed out and uh, things, things that happen in utero and just so much more stress and bombardment. So their nervous system is a little higher strung. They need sometimes they need that extra care 
But overall, I would say that children respond a lot faster than adults to care. And I will see that kids don't need to be adjusted more quickly than adults. Yeah, and you could tell a chiropractic kid too because, you know, I'm getting to the point in my career now where I'm starting to see kids that I were adjusted, you know, the day they were born who are, you know, five, six years old now. And these are the kids that come into the office. And I check my wellness patients every two weeks. You know, I do a 14-day interval with them. But they come in and they high-five, give me a hug, ring the bell, and then they walk out without an adjustment more often than not. As a matter of fact, you know, you bring this up, like I have a family I've been taking care of since, man, I first started practice who – you know, kid takes a fall, kid has an accident, you know, kid gets stressed out at school or whatever. First person they call is me and get him in the door. And mom will be, even after five or six years of taking care of him, mom will be like, well, yeah, I'm positive he's he's subluxated. You know, I'm positive he's got a problem because, you know, he fell out of his bed and he hit his head and things are all crooked. And, you know, I'll check him and I do every freaking test that I know and the kids <laughs> and the kids clear. I mean, the thing is like innate intelligence, the body's ability to write itself and survive, or I'm sorry, move towards maximum survival potential. Like it's so limitless, right? The problem is we're so surrounded by sick people all the time that it's become normal for people to be, to be sick. So chiropractic kids is my mentor, Steve Hoffman, you know, once said on this podcast, they shine a little brighter because they can kind of adapt better. Um, you're also right in the sense that uh, we've got a major uh, we've got a major sort of health promotion problem in this generation. Um, these kids are what like six, seven generations removed from the onset of the industrial revolution. So we have significant excitotoxicity issues, right? Environmental toxicity issues. We have significant genetic mutation problems, right? As it pertains to things like methylation errors, detoxification pathway problems. I see a lot of kids with chelation problems and heavy metals. Um, and while, you know, that's not really my forte, I can recognize them pretty darn quickly. I can co-manage them with somebody else. Um, we see kids, I mean, you know, our, my friend, Tony Abel, you know, I, Tony talks so much about how it, with the majority of the kids that he sees in his practice, uh, 95% of them have subluxation issues because of the birth, um, you know, more and more of our moms are having uh, hospital and sterile births uh, where, you know, if a child is normally supposed to engage uh, vertex uh, anterior uh, with mom on her hands and knees or in a squat position. Um, now we have moms who are, well, not now, but for years we've had moms who've been delivering babies on their backs because it tends to be convenient for the obstetrician, not for the mom. That closes down the uh, vaginal canal by something like 30 to 40%, makes it difficult for baby to engage. Plus mom has, you know, her share of pelvic distortion problems, which probably go back to her childhood, which prevents baby from engaging as well. Um, I, Man, I can't even count the asynclitic babies that I've seen in my clinic who can't turn their heads and latch appropriately because of some mechanical or neurological subluxation related issue. Um, I'm starting to see a ton of plagio babies, uh, major sort of uh, cranial plate um, movement and alignment problems, which we didn't even see uh, in, in this severity, uh, even one generation ago. And so, yeah, I, you know, it's not to be doom and gloom, but this, this problem is becoming more apparent. Um, for the parents out there, it's not okay for your baby not to poop. For a week. It's not okay for your baby not to eat. It's not okay for your baby not to gain weight. And so most of the time, you parents out there, when you think something is off, by all means, like get them checked. See a pediatric chiro. See somebody who knows how to look out for these things because I'm going to tell you what, a lot of these cases, it's absolutely life-saving. Um, you're six weeks deep into practice right now, Caleb. 
Yes, sir. Um, I'd love for you to kind of talk about some of those experiences that you've seen so that uh, parents can kind of hear. Just give us like two, one or two cases that you've seen, even if it was stuff that you saw in school. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I've had a lot of great cases in my practice in the last six weeks since my grand opening last month. But one in particular that actually was last year, one of my patients, um, I'm, I've submitted it to be published. It's been okayed. I just haven't, um, it hasn't been published yet. It should be, you know, probably later this year. I was an 11 year old with, I can't even tell you how many different um, diagnoses he had. He was autism spectrum disorder, ODD, you know, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, or I already said that one, but just, and that, and that's actually pretty common with someone who is neurodevelopmentally challenged. They'll, they'll usually have about, you know, eight or 10 different diagnoses that all overlap. Hmm. Um, but one thing that we looked at, and this is, we'll go back to objectivity. We, we did uh, thermal scans on him. And at the beginning of care, we, we do a postural exam. And so a lot of people don't realize uh, that children on the autism spectrum, one of their main issues is sensory processing disorder. And that doesn't just mean reading and listening and eye contact. That, that can mean them feeling themselves in space. So what we call proprioception. So they don't feel, if you close your eyes, you could feel your hand and know where it is. That's not always true for children with uh, autism. And so they stumble a lot. They can't walk uh, walk the line, if you will. They, they're kind of clumsy. And so their posture is usually pretty bad mm. um, because they can't just sit up because that they feel themselves. They kind of, you know, they kind of just mush. They kind of just kind of go everywhere. Well, this child on 14 separate medications, um, 21 pills a day, um, psychotropic stuff, like, you know, everything you can think of. I, I can't even go into all of it. He came in. He, we did his posture analysis. I'm talking way off, like 20 degrees uh, head tilt one way, 30 degrees body rotation another way. Um, his feet in and out and just all times in weeks because we'd love him in that hour away. I happen to know the family, but, um, what was I saying? Oh, at the end of the four weeks, we did a re-evaluation straight as an arrow, his posture. And we only just, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm uh, what we call an upper cervical chiropractor. I only adjust the the top of the spine where the brainstem is. And that's because it has so much control over the body. And in those four weeks, this child with a severe sensory processing issue, just by taking that pressure off of his brainstem, all of a sudden his sensory processing had shot so far up that he could stand up straight. Mm -hmm. And so what that means to me is now he can learn better. Mm -hmm. He can read better. He can do all of these other things that is sensory into the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's been my favorite case so far that I've seen. 
And you know what's so funny, Doc, is you're going to start seeing a ton of these cases, and the problem is for sure going to get worse. We need to make a full stop trajectory change with the way that we're, we're raising our kids in terms of neurological input and output because uh, you're right. You're right. One of the one of the biggest problems that we have with regards to certain cognitive development uh, benchmarks is that kids cannot scan and pan, meaning um, they're having a really hard time keeping their eyes level on the horizon. And um, it's related to subluxation. Uh, it's it's related to cranial faults. It's related to birth trauma. Um, but that's the benchmark, man. And that's why when I see a newborn baby in my clinic, like I'm keeping a really close eye on them for minimum the first three months, because that's when we start to see some scanning and panning occur. The reason this is so important, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, but neurologically, what we know is that when a a kiddo cannot maintain a level gaze on the horizon, meaning can't keep his or her eyes level, um, he or she is missing uh, the so-called afferent feedback or uh, programming of the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that allows you to make executive decisions, right? Critical thinking, uh, 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 emotion control, you know, um, inhibition, like that's all controlled by the PFC. Um, We know that balance and coordination uh, and info from the eyes uh, is, is the most potent substance, uh, for that development. And so when I see kids, for example, that are at the six month marker and they can't look up, they can't turn their heads from side to side. And more importantly, they can't crawl. Uh, they skip right to walking. Um, that's a big red flag. And again, we talked about this before on the podcast, but it, it bears repetition for our new listeners, right? If you got a kid or, you know, somebody in the, in the community who can't crawl, uh, or they say skip crawling, or, you know, they, they missed those sort of benchmarks. Or furthermore, if you see a kid with a balance or coordination issue, like Dr. Caleb is describing, it is absolutely not okay. And it's 100% related or, or correlated to, um, cognitive, cognitive demise. ADHD is the quintessential version of this, right? And every single one of the ADHD kids that I've seen, what Caleb is describing shows up 100%, right? The first test I do in my office is I do a Romberg's test. And then I follow up with a tandem gait test. And then I follow up with a finger to nose test because I want to see what the cerebellum is actually doing. And guess what? They fail it 100% of the time. So, um, it's, it's vitally important, uh, like, like you're describing, that we look for those metrics and we watch for improvement. Um, it's always nice to see a kiddo who has uh, oppositional issues start to be able to feel more comfortable in their skin. ADHD kids do better on their grades in their classes, but uh, that's not the most important part. It's, uh, it's those objectives that you're talking about. So anyway, thank you so much for sharing that case, Dr. Caleb. Um, okay, so we're we're running uh, running a, a little bit longer than I, I thought I was uh, gonna do with you, but I'm I'm really excited that we that we did run long because this content is is really really amazing. Um, for folks who are in Marietta or in the sort of greater Atlanta area, would you like to uh, make a plug for your practice? Um, I, I got to say, after talking to you, Caleb, I, I will send every single kid that I know who's out in Atlanta out to see you. Um, why don't you tell everybody how to get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm actually not in Atlanta. I'm in Savannah, which is about four hours away, but worth the drive. Um, so I'm in Savannah, Georgia, uh, Restoration Chiropractic, and I, I love restore. I love that name because that's what we do: restore health, restore function. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're at 1,000 Eisenhower Drive. We're the phone number is 912-376-9191. I'd love to, even if you aren't near me if you want to call and I, I know most of the pediatric chiropractors in Georgia so I could refer you to anybody um, and get you taken care of it's it's very important for the health and 
of children to get checked and get cleared and get their neurology working right. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm right there with you. I, I think uh, pretty much every episode that we've produced, I, I've told my, my, my listeners that, guys, if, you, if you're confused or you don't know where to start with regards to getting your kids checked or getting a friend's kid checked, guys, send me an email. Call my office, 805-481-1566. If you can't see me, I will find you somebody who can help your kids. Um, the thing about uh, pediatric chiros uh, like me and Dr. Dr. Scroggin is that um, our, our collective mission is is to save lives our, our collective mission is to help as many kids as we can and uh, god knows man like i cannot see every single child uh, in california um and furthermore uh, if you're on the east coast you're not going to want to fly all the way out to see me when there's so many other talented uh, pediatric doctors uh, along the way so um guys thank you so much for listening um there's going to be a ton of amazing content coming up in this, the remainder of the season i wish i could i could spoil it for you but just stay tuned there's so many great speakers coming out um, if you guys like this content, please, by all means, I want you to share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, share it on Twitter with the hashtag normalized chiropractic and together guys, we're going to save the world. So Dr. Caleb, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you spending your, uh, your time on this Monday afternoon being with me and, uh, we'll see you guys all next time. Okay. Take care. All right. Thanks so much.